It's really lovely to see you. Thank you so much for your warm welcome. Um, my name's Sully, and um, I live in Cromer. Um, so I've driven over from Cromer this morning, which may seem like quite a long way away, but there's not so many people over um, in Norfolk. So um, in speaking, I sort of cover quite a wide area. But it's lovely to come back to Downham Market. Um, I went to Downham Market Sixth Form College um, about 20 years ago, which is a bit, I was thinking about that on the way over. It definitely doesn't seem like 20 years ago. But I did my A-levels there, um, met some really wonderful people, made some long-lasting friendships. Um, and this was all when my, um, my dad was the Methodist minister in Kings Lynn. Um, so I'm probably a bit far away for you to remember the name, but Bossingham's quite a distinctive surname, but I doubt many of you might not remember that. Oh, there we are. <laughs> Beth, Beth is smiling in remembrance. That was, that was my dad. And actually, my mum uh, was the Methodist minister of Outwell and Upwell. Um, so when I had friends in Downham Market, I used to drive quite regularly between Outwell and Upwell um, through past Stowbridge and into Downham Market to come and see my friends. So it's been a long time since I've... Um, been to Downham Market, but I will probably drive back through the town and give a little wave to the um, to the Sixth Form College um, as I go past. Um, I have been working for CAP for just over a year, and um, I'm a fundraiser. So any of you who, uh, well, I'm sure a lot of you will get um, things like Christmas appeal mailings um, from different charities, or perhaps you'll. Um, see, get uh, maybe um, some information about a charity on, on social media or something like that. That's the sort of thing I do, but I also, it was a real privilege to, um, to project manage um, Cap Sunday, so the video that you saw and the resources about SID. Um, I actually organised sort of that, putting that resource together, so it's been really nice to then come out and then talk to people about um, about Sid's story. Um, Ruth and um, Stan said that you'd like to hear maybe a little bit about my story. Well, I, I don't know what to say really, except that I am a person of stories. So I think probably the best way to ex explain to you how I come to be where I am, doing the work that I do, and, um, and preaching is to tell you a story of something that happened to me quite a long time ago. So. Um, I've worked in and around poverty, both UK and worldwide poverty, really for my whole career. And my very first job, I was privileged um, to work for the Diocese of Birmingham. And I don't know if you know, but the, the Anglican Church dioceses have links with other dioceses around the world. They're called companion links. So because um, the Anglican Church sort of exists really around the world, they might have links with um, dioceses in Canada or maybe... Um, India or Africa and all sorts of different places and um, I worked for the, the Diocese of Birmingham and it was my job to work on the link that they had with the Anglican Church in Malawi and so I took groups of people from churches to go and visit Malawi and um, everywhere we went we had the most amazing welcome we were treated with such warm hospitality it was amazing and there's one particular visit that always stands out for me. And I went to go um, to a, a village and um, 
sometimes made you feel a bit uncomfortable, but often when you went to go to a village, they would kind of, you would be like in a row, the visitors would all be in a row at the front. It would all be very, very formal. Lots of people would give different speeches and you'd be at the front and, and everybody would be, be welcoming you with speeches and things. And we got to this part of the service where everybody was given a gift. Um, and little children from the local school came and brought everyone a gift. And my gift um, that I was given was a bag of tomatoes, like a plastic bag with some tomatoes, which was brought, by, brought to me by a little boy who was probably about the age of my younger daughter or maybe a little bit older. And um, when I opened the bag, it was like 35 degrees, and these tomatoes were kind of on the turn. So like a sweaty bag of squishy tomatoes. Does that sound like a good gift? Does that sound like a good present to you guys? No. It's probably the worst present I've ever been given in my life. But this present was brought to me by this little boy. And this little boy, who I say was maybe about five, had a distended stomach. So I knew that this little boy did not have enough food to eat. And he had just given me a bag of food. Now, that broke my heart for the poor. And it doesn't matter whether they are over in Malawi with not enough food to eat or whether they're over here in the UK with not enough food to eat or living in the kind of poverty that pushes people into depression, into suicide, into the kind of anxiety that keeps them locked in their homes. That broke my heart for poverty. But it also showed me God's love. That, that sacrificial gift showed me God's love, the, the love of God that sent Christ into the world as a sacrifice for us. Nothing has shown me that love more than that gift. So that's my story. That's, that's the best way I can tell you who I am and what, what God has done for me in my life to help me do the work and feel engaged with the work that I do. And so I write things, resources, and ask people to give money. And I do it boldly because I believe that this work is God's work and that it needs resource. And where there are Christians who are able to give, then I'm okay with asking them to think about giving towards the work. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about scripture. Um, and then we're going to think about how we can respond, both through giving, but also through the wonderful um, work that um, Ruth and Stan are going to be starting here through Cat Money and how you can find out more about that. So um, we're going to start by thinking a little bit about lament. Now, I don't know, I, I'm sure a lot of, I don't say a lot of you were around at the time, but in 1939, at the very start of World War II, the Ministry of Information designed a very famous poster. Does anybody know, anybody guess what it said? Keep calm and keep calm and dig for victory. Yes, there was another. There's other one. Keep calm and carry on is the one I was thinking of. But you're right. We can also dig for victory. Keep calm and carry on. And this is a really timeless um, slogan. And you still see it around today. I don't know if anybody's seen it. You get it on tea towels. You get it on posters. Um, and it was this national call. To, 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 the, to the nation to, to press on, to carry on in spite of 
all that was happening in the country. But it also now kind of epitomizes um, British stoicism, doesn't it? That idea of having a stiff upper lip. No matter what's going on, we, we keep it together and we keep on going. Now, that post has also been used <coughs> as, a, as a phrase for all sorts of other things as well. So I looked and found keep calm and drink tea. Um, for Star Wars fans, keep calm and use the force. And for me, keep calm and so on. Um, but we're encouraged, aren't we, to kind of to press on, to soldier through adversity and to not let our emotions interfere. Now, don't get me wrong. Perseverance and resilience are essential qualities. They're valuable qualities for us in life. But when we start to feel like these are the only ways of dealing with our difficulties and with pain, then what can we do in times of anguish? How do we respond when our hearts are hurting? Or how do we respond in times of pain or when we're faced with injustice, perhaps like I was in Malawi when I was faced with that picture of the hungry child. Well, you know, there is a different way for us to respond when our hearts are aching. And that way is God's way, which we're going to explore today. And that is the way of lament. Now, lament is, quite is, is a bit unfamiliar to many today, but it's an important response to the pains and the injustice that we experience in our lives. And what it is, is, is the, the heartfelt and passionate cry of a hurting soul lifted up before God. It's quite a simple idea, really, that we take that pain, that hurt that we're feeling, and we lift it before God. That is lament. And although God has given it to us as a tool to deal with pain and injustice, Lament can sometimes be quite unfamiliar in the, ver in, in the church. You know, we might encourage, we'll regularly encourage others with the verses like, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. But we rarely speak to each other with the words of Micah. Lament with a doleful lamentation saying we are utterly ruined. It's not uncommon to see a praise and thanksgiving service on a church bulletin. But when was the last time you saw a sorrow and grief service? The indirect message of that is to embrace joy and happiness and avoid sorrow. But when we do that, we, miss, we are missing out on something that is, is vital, is crucial to the Christian faith. Because what if we are supposed to embrace sorrow as well as joy and to lift all of that before God? And actually, when we start to look at the scriptures, you will see people who allowed themselves to be moved. Jesus wept. The psalmists cried out to God and the prophets lamented. In fact, one of the prophets, Jeremiah, was known as the weeping prophet. He was a prophet who spent most of his life 
calling on God's people, the nation of Israel, to repent and to live the life that they were called to live in relationship with God. But they didn't listen, and they were eventually captured by the Babylonians. And Jeremiah saw his people, his, his beloved people, with all their freedom taking, taken away, living outside of a relationship with God. Stan, would you mind bringing me my water just from that chair? Thank you. And seeing, God, seeing Jeremiah, seeing his people like that, it broke his heart. And he was, in fact, moved to write a whole book, the book of Lamentations, here we go, about what he saw and how he felt and about his pain. Here's a flavor of the book. This is from Lamentations 2. My eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed. Jeremiah did not keep calm and carry on. Jeremiah did not keep a stiff upper lip at the situation around him and the suffering that he saw. Instead, he cried out to God, lifting that pain before him. Lament is not complicated. It's simply putting into words how we're feeling, stating the circumstance around us, and honestly bringing that pain before God. Now, there are many things in life that move us, that may move us. Things that bring about those feelings of despair, that cause those, our hearts to ache. Perhaps you have a story or a cause like the one that I told at the beginning. Something that really moves you. War, bereavement, disaster and injustice, for example. If we can go to the next slide. This year... We're experiencing the highest rates of inflation for decades, so I mean 2022. And things are getting more and more difficult for those living in poverty. The Food Foundation last year reported that 7 million adults missed meals in April 2022 due to rising costs. The energy cap rise means fuel bills are becoming unaffordable for many. We think of the cold snap that we've had in the last few days. How many people would have been unwilling or unable to turn their heating on to make it warm enough for them to get through those days? And according to the Joseph Roundtree Foundation, at the end of 2021, 3.8 million people on the lowest incomes had fallen behind in paying bills. So right now, across the community, so right now, across the UK, right here in Downham Market, in your community, maybe even people who worship as part of this church, there are people living in the middle of very real and impactful poverty. Neighbours with empty cupboards, fridges and stomachs, a father unable to heat his cold and damp home, or a mother for whom basic sanitary products are out of reach. It is difficult to hear these stories. It should be difficult to hear these stories. And even more difficult to know that these numbers are made up of lives and individuals 
who are made and loved by God. This is a reason to lament. And at CAP, we don't want to keep calm and carry on. We don't believe the church is called to keep calm, to carry on, to have a stiff upper lip, but we want to stand alongside the church in lament with those who are living in poverty and facing the ever-worsening cost of living crisis. However, in case you're worried, I'm just going to leave you depressed. That is not my plan. God's purpose for lament is that it doesn't leave us in a place of darkness. Sorry. <coughs> um, because it's in the midst of lament, it's in taking that pain and rather than holding it in isolation, turning and lifting it before God, it's in the process of lifting our pain before God that we find hope. Because whenever we turn to God, we know, don't we, there is hope. That is the place of hope. Listen to Jeremiah's words in the middle of his lament. Right at the heart of Lamentations in chapter 3, he says this. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I, will, I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. That's our lamentation. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In the middle of Jeremiah's lament for his country, he was confronted with the compassion and the love and the hope of God. What a wonderful example of lament leading to new hope. A song of lament becomes a song of hope. Jesus is also a wonderful example of how not to keep calm and carry on in the face of the suffering of others. And also of how compassion can turn lament into hope. When we read scripture, there are just so many reasons, aren't there, to love our Lord Jesus. Um, but right there up there for me, probably right at the top up there for me, is the way that he meets people in all of their pain and all of their humanity. He meets with real people. He loves them and he changes their lives. And our gospels are just replete they are absolutely full of beautiful accounts of how Jesus is busy with his day is 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 going from a to b is doing a particular piece of ministry and is interrupted by the suffering of others and instead of keeping calm and carrying on instead of having a stiff upper lip and just getting on with what he was there to do he allows himself to be interrupted by the suffering of others, he engages with them with compassion and he brings hope and healing into their lives. You could probably list me stories now without really having time to think about it. I have three um, to share with you. The first one is Luke chapter 7. Jesus raises 
a widow's son. So here Jesus is, is busy amongst the crowds. It's a busy day. So many people are gathering around Jesus. Everybody wants his attention. But then his attention is drawn to something that's happening somewhere over there. And there's a, there's a, a coffin, there's a body being carried. And there is a woman next to the coffin, a widow. And, and the, the person who's died is her only son. And for that woman to be a widow, to have no, no other sons left, that is destitution for her. She has no male to take care of her. That, that is devastation upon her life. And Jesus sees her, he stops what he's doing, and he raises her son to life. He gives her her life back. He frees her from that potential destitution because now she has her son to care for her. We have Luke chapter 8, where Jesus is walking, he's going along to, to raise, he, he's on his way to go to see a sick girl. And as he's walking through the crowd, focused on where he's going, on who he's going to see, suddenly he feels some power going from him. Do you remember this story? And somebody's touched his cloak. And the person who's touched his cloak is a woman who has been bleeding for years. For years and years and years. This woman has had menstrual bleeding that means she can't leave her home most of the time. Everybody around her thinks she's dirty and unclean. They can't touch her. They can't talk to her. Her situation, her bleeding, makes her an outcast no friends, no society, complete isolation, poverty, everything. And yet somehow she finds the courage to leave her home and just to touch Jesus' cloak. He feels the power going out from him. He stops. He has compassion, is the word that's used. He talks to her. Not only is she healed by his power, but he gives her social recognition by talking to her, by engaging with her, and she goes away healed from that encounter. The third is from Matthew 14. The only miracle that is in all four Gospels, which is the feeding of five or 10,000 people, depending on which, which Gospel you read, but feeding a multitude of hungry people. I like the version in Matthew 14, and I think it's particularly powerful. And the reason I think it's particularly powerful is this. Um, if you look just before, in Matthew 14, something really significant happens before Jesus produces all that food for all those people. And the significant thing that happens is that Jesus gets some bad news. Does anybody know what it is? John the Baptist. So Jesus has just heard that his, his, his childhood friend, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. 
And so what does he do? He says to his friends, I want to go somewhere quiet. He wants to grieve. He wants to cry. So he gets into a boat um, with the disciples and they, they go out because there's so many people around wanting Jesus, wanting to engage with him. And he gets in the boat, goes out in the boat. But what happens when he gets out the other side? There are thousands of hungry people standing there and they need something from him. Well, what would you say? I, I don't know if I could do that in that situation. Just, be go, just go away. Leave me alone. I need to grieve. I need time. But Jesus is so amazing. Even in that situation, he doesn't carry on. He has compassion on them. And he, he gives them food so that they don't go away hungry. And so what we see in our Lord Jesus, our example for life, is someone who allowed himself to be interrupted by the pain of others and to engage with deep compassion in the lives of others. Now make no mistake, this was not, when we talk about compassion, this is not a shallow response or a show of caring. The, the word, the, the Greek root word that's used for compassion in those three stories, the root of it is, it, it means internal organs, guts, basically. So when it says he was moved with compassion, it means he was churned in his internal organs. You know that kind of uh, sicky feeling. <laughs> so when he saw that pain, he had no choice but to respond because he was so churned up in his guts. This lament he held before God with that deep compassion inside him and the power of God allowed him to transform the situation for those people who were in all in different ways in desperate need and poverty. Lament was turned to hope as Jesus turned that pain before God and responded in the way that God was asking him to. And as in so many things, this example of Jesus is a roadmap for us. I hope you enjoyed, I don't know, I hope you enjoyed the end of Sid's story, but we're moved by the story of Sid. One of many people whose lives have been transformed because of the partnership between CAP and the church. We've got Beth here this morning, who's come from the King's Lynn Debt Centre. Now, I hadn't, didn't have much time to speak to Beth beforehand and ask her to talk to you about some of her experiences, but please, I don't know if you mind people talking to you afterwards, because it's not just uh, people like Sid all over the country that debt centres like King's Lynn are working with on a daily basis, people that Beth are sitting with who are feeling hopeless and trapped in debt and who people like Beth can show that compassion and love to and help to change their situation. Sid is one of many people whose lives have been transformed because of the partnership between the church and CAP. And Sid's story was one of lament, a bit like some of the people that Jesus met in the Gospels. That that journey for him through ill health, bereavement, depression, leading to debt. And that church in Maidenhead worked with him, held 
him with love and compassion and together with the practical help and community and love, through the power of God, you can see that his song has been changed from one of lament to one of hope. This is the reason that Cat exists. And our vision is to see transformed lives, people transformed, lifted out of debt, lifted out of poverty, lifted into the loving light of Jesus Christ through partnership with the church. Our vision is for thriving churches, just like yours, listening to God, praying into issues of poverty, and standing together to offer hope to those in your own community. And our vision together is to, to end UK poverty. It sounds big, it sounds bold, but that is God's vision, is for a UK, for a world where there is no poverty. And we've already talked about the transformation in Sid's life, that those transformed lives. But I will say quickly, and we always put this up, if Sid's story of debt resonates with your own circumstances or with the circumstances of anyone you know who might find themselves in debt, please don't put off seeking help. Encourage others not to put off seeking help. But ring that free telephone number and somebody will be there to help you. And Sid was helped, as I said, by a, by a church in Maidenhead, a church probably not too dissimilar with yours. That church partners with CAP to run a debt centre, a free debt help centre, to support those who are being pulled under by the rising tide of debt. And CAP provides a strong team of expert and accredited debt advisors who contact creditors and provide ongoing budget advice. One of the things that struck me in Sid's story was that moment where he said that he was given some prepaid envelopes. And so he could say to, the, to anyone who was kept ringing him on the phone, all the letters that came through the door, he could send them on to CAP. Somebody rings on the phone demanding money, he could send them on to CAP. That, for many people in debt, is a transformational moment because you've got somebody coming and standing in the space where they felt bullied and harassed, depressed. They haven't known how to deal with all of this. Suddenly, somebody's organizing for them. They know how much they owe. Then they've got somebody who can deal with those creditors in a professional manner and help them sort out how they can get out of the mess. It's a very big step. We provide that expert debt service. And all this happens while the church-based debt center manager and befriending team, so befrienders like Beth who go and provide that more pastoral friendship care for people, visit the clients in their homes, often at times of crisis, to journey with them and help them out of debt. Other churches run life skills groups or job clubs to support those living on low incomes or to help get people back into work. And still many more churches run CAP money, which is how you guys are going to start engaging with CAP. And the course you're going to start running yourself here is where people can learn simple budgeting skills that can help them to avoid debt. 
particularly if they're on lower incomes, but it is, it is valuable and useful for everyone. So nobody really teaches us about money management, do they? Not really. You kind of become a grown-up and you're expected to know all these things. This is a course to help with those basic budgeting skills, a simple way of managing money, which can help to avoid debt and help people to be more financially confident, to save and to give more. This is a real gift that you can offer to your community in this time of financial crisis, a real way of showing compassion, of perhaps opening up some of those stories that people hold of their own pain and suffering to build relationships. And there are many ways that God calls us to reach out to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to be a thriving church that has people ready to answer the call. And lastly, we want to see an end to UK poverty because Sid's story and others like it provide a real hope that poverty can end one life, one home at a time. But it also reminds us that there is a lot more to be done. And CAP is working on all sorts of levels in advocacy, in policy, in changing our courses and services so that we can be responsive to the current cost of living crisis so that we can together seek a society where destitution and poverty do not exist and where every person living in poverty has a church there that can offer practical and spiritual help. And your church has chosen to be part of this in this way. So thank you for that. And you can make a response today. So there are two things that I would love you to think about responding. If you've been moved this morning, if God has spoken to you in some way, then two things I want you to think about. The first one, and actually I want to say that I think today this is the most important one, which is funny as a fundraiser that I'm saying that, but is go to tonight's meeting. Ruth and Stan, just, they're just lovely people, aren't they? Look at them, they're smiling at me. Wonderful people. And God has called them to this ministry. And God has called them to your church to help facilitate this ministry, to lead this for you. But they need your help and they need your encouragement to do this. They're going to need, as they go out, you to help them to reach out into the community to share this wonderful course that is available. They're going to need you to be able to know what it is so that if you have friends or family or people you meet in your networks who would really benefit from this, that you can confidently explain to them what it is and give them that first invitation. They need you to do that. The church needs you to help with that. So please think about coming this evening. And this evening you can hear more about the course. You can hear about how you can help. Um, with the course, how you can refer people and how you could benefit yourself. I need to do cat money really soon because I could definitely do with managing some of my money better, you know. So it's for everyone. So please do support the church, support um, Ruth and Stan here and respond to God just by coming and seeing what God says and what could be possible. So please do do that this evening. But I'm also asking you this morning, to think about whether you could make a regular monthly gift to CAP to support our work 
through the UK church to support all that CAP does through local churches just like yours to help people like Sid, to lift him from lament to hope, to not keep calm and to carry on, but to engage with compassion and to transform the lives, living, the lives of those people living in awful poverty. Now, the truth is, and we know this is true, and I know you, know you know this is true, in the life of CAP, which is 25 years, I don't think this life-transforming work has ever been so needed as it is now. But honestly, at the same time, it has never been so hard to raise the funds we desperately need as it is now. And some, some here may be struggling, in which case, you know, if this isn't the right time for you to think about giving regularly, that's okay. God doesn't ask us to give what we don't have. Um, but for those who are able to give, I would love to invite you to become a life changer. And you become one of thousands of people around the country who give month by month to help us to keep doing this work. Just £11.50 per month would take that first phone call from somebody like Sid. It's a free telephone number, but it's all the, you know, the, the staff person who has to pick it up and all the things that sit behind that. We estimate that costs about £11.50 to take that first call from somebody who's decided that they, they want to move from lament to hope, to, to take a chance on cap that that could make a difference. And your gift could pay for that every month, um, £11.50. But it might be less than that for you. It might be more than that for you. But please do think about whether you could give that gift. If you want to talk to me more about that, you can. If you want to do it online, there's a short link up there, capuk.org forward slash respond, and you can do it straight on the website. And if you'd like to give, but you don't want to give monthly, um, I'd be delighted to receive a one-off gift from you. But And you can do that just by sort of crossing through the life changer details on there and just writing one-off really clearly on the form. Um, and, and that will come through as a, as a one-off gift. I'd like us to take a couple of minutes to pray. Is, is that okay? I presume that's fine. You're not going to say, no, you can't pray. Uh, it'd be a bit weird in a church, wouldn't it? Um, I, I'm going to pray um, for those living in, who are living in this kind of poverty. And I'm also going to leave us, leave us some time for God to speak um, to us about how we can respond, for God to nudge us, to come this evening, for God to nudge us to give of the resources that he has given to us um, to make that monthly gift, if that's the right thing. Um, but let's listen to God. And most of all, let's, let's lift that lament. Let's allow our hearts to be broken for people who are living in poverty around the UK. Let's pray. Precious Father, we thank you for all your creation. We thank you that every single person is a gift of creation, loved and precious and made in the image of God. And so we know, Lord, that when the indignity of poverty mars that image and drives people to hopelessness and depression 
to anxiety that your heart breaks. We know your heart breaks because we see it in Jesus who is the perfect image of you. We thank you for his example, for his love and compassion and determination. We thank you that he didn't keep calm and carry on, but he stopped and he cried with people sometimes. But he turned lament to hope by lifting that pain before you and asking you to transform through the things that he did, the lives of others. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would break our hearts today for the poverty in the UK, for the poverty in Downer Market, for the poverty in the roads where we live, where behind closed doors there may be people who can't fill their cupboards, who can't turn on their heating, who struggle to buy basic sanitary products or nappies for their babies, who are hunting down the back of sofa cushions to try and find bits of change to get the things that they need. These are real people, these are real situations. Lord, we find it easy to become hard-hearted sometimes. We pray that you would break our hearts to feel that love, that compassion. But that we wouldn't stay in that pain. But Lord, we lift that lament up to you. And we wait on you expectantly, as the psalm says. We wait for you expectantly, knowing that through your church, through us, you want to make a difference in this situation, in the lives of others. And so in silence now, we, we wait on your Holy Spirit to prompt us about how we can respond. If that's giving a gift, you might want to take a pen out and start filling out the form now in prayerfulness. Or pray for this evening's meeting. But we wait on the Holy Spirit to move us. Father, as we leave here today, keep speaking to us, keep prompting us and moving us and showing us how we can be the answer here, how you can use us to build your kingdom and make your kingdom come. Amen. Thank you. Do come and find me afterwards if you want to know more, if you want to give me a form.
Um, if you want to know more about this evening, um, come and talk to Ruth and Stan. If you want to know more about our debt help and how that works, um, come and talk to Beth. Sorry for volunteering you. <laughs> Thank you for being such good listeners. I look forward to meeting you afterwards. <laughs>